Welcome to Alabama AgCast, a weekly conversation about news and issues affecting Alabama farmers and forest landowners. Alabama AgCast is produced by the Alabama Farmers Federation. Welcome in to today's episode on the Alabama AgCast. I'm Russ Durrance, Commodity Director for the Alabama Farmers Federation. I'm excited to have Kent Stanford, our 2021 Duncan Award winner for Excellence in Production Ag and Forestry Extension with us today. Kent's an Associate Extension Professor and Statewide Extension Specialist who focuses on nutrient management. Kent, thank you for joining us today on our AgCast. Hey, I'm happy to be here, Russ, and I appreciate the invitation to uh, visit with you about this topic today. Absolutely, absolutely. So I think I definitely gave you one of the most interesting intros here that we've had on the Alabama AgCast, talking a little bit about nutrient management. Tell us exactly what that is and what it means here for our state. All right, well, to talk a little bit about nutrient management, I guess we could, could start with a basic definition. And so my basic definition is that we're trying to efficiently provide for plant needs, and that's regardless of what plant or crop we're talking about growing. Uh, while at the same time preventing or reducing any nutrient loss. So obviously that's the efficient part of that. Uh, When we talk about nutrient management, there's kind of four R's of nutrient management that should be the focus. Those are the right source, the right rate, the right time, and the right place. So in my job, the focus is more on the animal manure management. Of course, that's the source. Uh, And then the best management practices are the most often used on farms uh, that include manure as a nutrient source. Uh, We know that soil testing is a major component of nutrient management as we first have to measure in order to manage correctly. And knowing what your soil fertility levels are before making a nutrient application, of course, is critical uh, so that optimum yield is achieved and then hopefully uh, there's there's some profit involved as well. You know, though we're often uh, probably the most concerned with the upcoming crop season or the crop cycle, we really have to have a, a longer-term view also in order to uh, build soil fertility when it's possible and, and to be able to increase uh, soil quality and soil health as well. Okay, very good. So that's kind of a little bit of background there on nutrient management. Um, and you talked a little bit about animal agriculture as well and kind of some of the source of that. How does um, the Environmental Management Commission or ADEM help out with kind of nutrient management and things like that um, as we look at fertilizing our crop fields? All right. Well, uh, the Alabama Department of Environmental Management uh, serves as a regulatory authority. Um, They are primarily uh, concerned with the uh, concentrated animal feeding operation uh, rule, the state CAFO rule that we have, uh, and they provide that regulatory uh, oversight for that program. As part of that program, the farms that are permitted there have to have a nutrient management plan. Uh, That plan has to be updated uh, regularly, and then the producers are also uh, supposed to to follow that plan exactly and to document their actions uh, showing that they are in compliance with that. That's important to our state, and we are uh, fortunate to have a rule uh, in effect, uh, that protects our producers. Um, I think that it's uh, it's been a solid rule since 1999, uh, and it provides a layer of insulation and protection from uh, from EPA uh, as our rule meets and exceeds the uh, the EPA standards and guidelines. Uh, so ADEM is a partner for us. We're fortunate to have those people there uh, and to have open lines of communication with them that we do. It's never a dull day on the farm, especially when your day starts before the sun comes up. We're Alabama Ag Credit. 
And while some don't get it, we do. As the local experts in rural real estate financing, we've helped farmers finance everything from homes and land to tractors and crops. Because sometimes your natural resources need financial resources. You talked a little bit about nutrient management. We've talked about some of the sources of that and things like that. But many of us who are familiar with Alabama and its geography understand that the soil types in our state vary tremendously uh, from north to south and even a little bit from east to west. So talk to us a little bit about nutrient management and how the soil type maybe pertains to uh, some of the different application rates and things like that. Well, it's a great question, and it's an important point because we've got a, a wide range of soil types in the state, you know, from these uh, sandy soils to heavier clay soils and kind of everything in between. Um, those fertility needs can, can be dramatically different, both among and within those soil types. Uh, generally speaking, in Alabama, we have lower quality soils than you might see in other areas of the country. Uh, we know that increase in soil quality uh, by building organic matters, a goal of many of these farmers that we work with. And we also understand uh, the dramatic effect that that, uh, that soil quality can have on the water holding capacity of those, those soils, the water availability, uh, microbial activity, soil health, and then certainly yield potential there. Our lab at Auburn University uh, is located in the Alpha Services building there on campus. And uh, the lab provides testing. It provides recommendations for all the soil types that are found in our state. Uh, with decades of soil fertility research, the recommendations coming from our lab uh, that are sent out across the state are specific to the soil type and those current fertility levels uh, on those fields that are sampled. So it sounds like you guys have outlined a pretty good kind of best management practices for things like that. What exactly does Extension do to help our farmers with those best management practices, and how do you guys try to get some of that information out to them? Well, it's another great question, and we hear that term best management practices, or you may see that BMP uh, listed. Uh, this is not just something that, that we use as a, as a suggestion. These are kind of some guiding principles that are, are terribly important on farms. So uh, I would define best management practices as those that help to prevent and reduce soil or nutrient losses to our waterways across the state. So in our production meetings, uh, these different BMPs are discussed in, in fairly uh, detail. Uh, our agents might make an on-farm visit to evaluate the fields to see what practices could be implemented on that particular farm or particular field. You know, an example of that might be that uh, some buffer strips might need to be included to help trap some of this runoff and keep those nutrients out of the waterways. So that would address the right place in the four R's that we talked about earlier. We might make a recommendation on the width of a buffer uh, or a filter strip and what you might plant there, what might be an effective crop to plant in that buffer strip. Uh, we can help determine the right rate. Um, that would be based on a current soil test recommendation. Uh, we might also discuss when to make an application back to the right time. And then we might review all of the nutrient sources back to the right source uh, for the specific field and, and crop that we're talking about. And we know, you know, we've talked about animal manure. We know that animal manure is an option, but it not, may not always be the best option uh, for a variety of reasons. So really back to the four R's of nutrient management, those are applied uh, both at the individual field and the farm level, and you can have differences across uh, a farm. 
And I guess uh, finally on this question, Russ, I'd, I'd point out in, in my job, I assist farmers with the record keeping and the regulatory compliance on the animal manure side. Um, and that also means that we have discussions on the various BMPs that they need to be following. That sounds good. Well, we appreciate all of the work that you do here within the state. I know you've been working kind of in this role here uh, for many years. We can tell you're a popular man there with a little bit of the cell or the office phone going off there in the background. Sure. But what are one of the favorite things maybe that you've had an opportunity to work on in your career here as it relates to nutrient management, whether that's with producers or working on CAFO regulations? What's something that kind of stands out to you that you're proud of? Well, when uh, when the rule went into effect in, in April of 99, um, I was working with a poultry grow group as a county agent at the time, and and they took an interest in, in the compliance side of things. But when we started talking about compliance, and then we, we took that conversation maybe in a different direction, and we started talking about environmental stewardship, I think that the producers start to figure out that we're really – in essence, talking about environmental stewardship. If we're focused on doing things uh, the right way uh, and focusing on environmental stewardship, then compliance with the rule is never an issue. They will always be in compliance when they're focused on environmental stewardship. And so we know that these farmers, you know, are tremendous stewards of the land and the resources that they've been blessed with. Uh, and, and they are uh, also given an opportunity, I think, to, um, to to showcase the work that they are doing. Sometimes animal agriculture gets a black eye. Um, most of the time, that's unwarranted. And so, as they uh, as they document their actions, then they're they're telling people, "Hey, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. And this is the reason that I'm doing it." So it gives me satisfaction to see that light go off in that producer's head when he realizes. Uh, that compliance is not a problem because he's doing the right things for the right reasons. I guess the last thing I wanted to say on that topic, uh, Russ, is is related to the importance of nutrient management in our state. You know, we are a water-rich state. We are blessed with tremendous water resources from one end of the state to the other. And I think that uh, that that's that's something that maybe we uh, we overlook, we take for granted at times. But the best management practices uh, that we put on farms and that farmers are able to include, you know, those demonstrate our willingness uh, to protect that water quality. Uh, it's important for all of us to understand our role in that. And though I might be dealing with a, a commercial farmer, uh, maybe someone on the animal agriculture side of things, we also have to understand that the principles, those four R principles of nutrient management, they apply to homeowners, you know, landscapes, whatever setting you might be talking about, the scale is different, obviously, um, but we all need to be aware of what we're putting out on the ground. Uh, we need to be paying attention to those four R's uh, so that we're not dealing with uh, with runoff issues. We're a very large uh, state in terms of poultry production, number two in the nation in broiler production, so we produce a lot of, of poultry litter. It's a great resource for us. It's a sustainable resource for us, it seems like. It's a very reasonably priced uh, resource for our farmers to have as a nutrient source. And so we just want to make sure that they understand how to use it properly. Uh, we also have to understand that most of the time when we're applying poultry litter, you know, it could be in a no-till situation on a, a row crop field, or it could be on some type of forages in a pasture or hay field. 
we're making a broadcast surface application and we have to pay a little more attention because we're not incorporating that into the soil. And we want to make sure that we're following those four R's so we don't run into uh, any of those issues. Well, that's great. I know our poultry industry is uh, certainly appreciative of all of the work that you guys do each and every day um, to try to help them ensure their regulatory compliance and to try to help all of our producers figure out how best to utilize these resources in an, in an efficient manner. So uh, with that being said, I'd like to give you an opportunity to kind of tell our listeners today a little bit about how producers can learn more about these resources and all of the resources that you guys have. Sure. I appreciate that, Russ. Uh, we have county extension offices in every county of the state. I'd encourage folks to uh, utilize this local resource. We kind of refer to it as the front door of the university at that local level. <clears throat> the county extension coordinator in those offices can be a link to the regional extension agents who have expertise in a specific area, as well as our extension specialists at the state level who have the knowledge to help with a variety of situations. Uh, you can check check out our website at aces.edu for more information. There are links to upcoming programs, or you can find your local extension office through that website. And then finally, uh, we have a strong social media presence, including Twitter, Facebook, and our YouTube channel. Uh, you can just search for Alabama Extension, and you should be able to find those connections uh, through any of those outlets as well. So uh, we work hard to push uh, information out, and uh, we just hope folks will reach out and uh, find that information and find our agents that can help. Well, Kent, we certainly appreciate your time today. We appreciate you taking the time to uh be here today with us on the Alabama AgCast, and we congratulate you on being our 2021 Duncan Award winner for excellence in production and forestry extension. Thank you for being with us today. Thanks again, Russ. And uh, just remember, it's all about relationships, and we're happy to have the relationships across the state with our industry partners uh, and just happy to be included in this AgCast today. Yes, sir. Well, thank you. And now, your weekly AgCast wrap-up. Carla Hornady, Director of Wheat and Feed Grains for the Alabama Farmers Federation. As we continue to celebrate our centennial year, I would like to share the history of the Wheat and Feed Grain Checkoff Program. The first committee was elected in 1982. In 1984, the committee recognized the need for a farmer-funded research program. They proposed establishing a two-cent per bushel checkoff on wheat, corn, grain sorghum, and oats. It did not pass during that legislative session. In February of 1986, the committee reintroduced the checkoff idea with an assessment of a penny per bushel on wheat, corn, grain sorghum, and oats. It did receive legislative approval, and in October of 1986, the first referendum was held, with 85% voting in favor of the checkoff. Since then, a referendum has been held every five years, to renew the wheat and feed grain checkoff. The most recent vote was August 10th, 2021, with 93% voting in favor. Since 1986, the Wheat and Feed Grain Committee has allocated checkoff funds for research, promotion, and education. Alabama AgCast is sponsored by our friends at Alabama AgCredit. Give them a call for all your farm and land financing needs. For more information about today's conversation, check out the show notes or visit alphafarmers.org 
slash AgCast. Be sure to follow Alabama Farmers Federation on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Tune in next week for another timely conversation from Alabama AgCast.